What's going on, all my podcast listeners, whether you're from Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts? <clears throat> See Jizzle and the Whizzle, bringing you another episode. This is the second episode tonight, continued from the Ramblin' Gamblin' Man. <laughs> and uh, speaking of that, got some... Uh, regular customer that comes in he went to Vegas with his sister for like four weeks I think they said that they spent like 15 to 20 grand while they were there I said holy shit that's a lot (laughs) but he's a black guy Uh, he's got to be in his 50s or 60s at least he's an older gentleman Uh, but He's come to uh, like me a lot. He uh, comes up there and I, I do his lottery tickets for him and I make sure that they're always right, you know. And hold on. We're going to take a shot. Oof. Lordy. Ugh. Fucking hell. Oh my gosh. That's so disgusting. (sighs) Oh, now I'm burping it up. Yuck. Anyways, we're drinking these um, 99 butterscotch. Oh, gosh. You know those little butterscotch discs that you get from the store? That's what it uh, tastes like, but it's that fucking kick to it man it's that fucking kick damn and I only drank half of it there's still another half of a little shot in there but it's just that aftertaste that butterscotch aftertaste but I don't like any of the other ones they got banana orange apple I think they got a coffee flavored one it's fucking nasty probably got a peach one you know, they got a lot of different flavors of these 99 shots. The first one, the most common one, was probably banana because it came out first. But, uh, I mean, what do you expect for a dollar, you know? <laughs> Speaking of drinking, this older gentleman uh, wants to take me to the casino. Uh, I don't think he's going to pay my way or anything, but... He is going to make sure I get there. And, uh, anyways, he says he'll let me know a few weeks ahead of time before we end up going so I can save some money. And um, he's really nice. He's a really nice guy. He uh, used to bring me food from cookouts all the time. You know, he'd go to cookouts, he'd have some baked beans and some ribs and maybe some chicken with it. And he'd always have a little piece of cake that was folded up in a piece of foil for me. Uh, And then the next time he might have greens and cornbread with some ham and beans or whatever. But it was really good soul food. Really good. 
and he always brought it up there to me, you know, when I was working, and it felt really nice to have somebody to actually care. And so he invited me over to a cookout, uh, but I think I had to work that day, and so he did end up bringing me a plate by, but uh, now he wants me to go with him to go gambling. He wants me to go to the boat in Peoria or in St. Louis. And I haven't been to the boat in a while, since my 21st birthday. I went with my dad, I do believe. I think my sister, maybe. Uh, and took like $200 and didn't win nothing, but I had a good time. It was fun. And now that I know you can get free drinks while you're sitting on the slots, I'm like, hey, <laughs> bring on the free drinks, you know. Sit there and drink my uh, Shirley Temple and or my margarita and play my slots, you know. And really all it is is the push of a button. You know, it's not, it has everything to do with luck and nothing to do with skill, basically. Certain games like blackjack, yeah, you gotta have somewhat of a skill, but as long as you know the basic rules on when to hold them, when to fold them, then it's really simple, too, to win on that. Now, craps or roulette, that's just a fucking toss-up. Again, craps, it's all about how you shoot the dice, so maybe you might have a better chance, but I think it's rigged. I've seen a guy, though, one time when I went down to the boat in Peoria, he was cashing out with, like, 20 grand from the craps table. He had a black leather jacket on tall guy with glasses yeah he was cashing out a lot of money and I'm sure that casino didn't like that <laughs> anyways I seen this old broad there and she kept playing this wheel of fortune slots and she kept getting really close to hitting the jackpot and she kept playing and kept playing and kept playing she kept getting really close and uh, then she ran out of money, and she got up and left. So I started playing it, and I was getting really close. And uh, I, I didn't really save my money like I should have. You know, it was only the last little bit of money that I had. So I ran out of money, too. So whoever got on that motherfucker probably ended up hitting. But... I still wonder to this day if I would have had maybe a hundred more dollars, maybe I could have won. And I would have went home with, what was it, like $200,000 or something? Because you get the amount that the wheel lands on, and then you get the jackpot as well. So, it was fun. Even though I lost, it was fun. And when you go to those bigger casinos, like in Las Vegas and shit, I'm sure that's why he spent so much money when he was there. Him and his sister probably spent, you know, you gotta break it down. He was there for like four weeks. So that's like $5,000 a week. You know, 
and I've heard it's not cheap to eat in Las Vegas. I heard it's really expensive. But there is there are some things you can do there for free. My boss earlier tried telling me, oh, it's expensive, you, you know, you need more than that to go to Vegas. And no, you don't. You can go and see Cirque de Soleil show, or you can go watch uh, the show that they have in front of the Bellagio, or uh, Treasure Island, you know, they have a show. And plus, they've got a lot of different shops around there, different souvenir shops and shit. That you can go look at. I think they've got a Ripley's Believe It or Not museum there. There's plenty of other things to do besides blowing your money in Vegas. So. And that's just somewhere that I've always wanted to go. I almost feel like one week wouldn't be enough. I'd probably have to spend two weeks there. But it, I've always wanted to visit the Lake Mead area which is about 100 miles away from Las Vegas so I got this plan that whenever I got my van I was gonna that was gonna be the first place that I went and I was gonna do a night or two at Lake Mead and then finish out the rest of my week living in my van in the parking garages and on the strip and shit I don't know. I really want to have a good time when I go there. I want to see everything that I can. I don't want to sell myself short. Because if I go there and I don't enjoy it, I'm going to be like, eh, I don't want to go back. You know? I'm sure they've got a lot of fucking shit to do in Vegas. I'm sure that they probably got one of those uh, IMAX theaters there. <laughs> I want to go back to one of those. I haven't been to one in a while. So, here goes shot number two of the uh, 99 Butterscotch. Ooh, it's going to be rough. Gosh. Ooh, since all that sugar. Oh, that's just got too much sugar in it. The aftertaste is just horrible. Ugh, I'm not fucked up enough to be drinking these things. You know, the funny thing is they don't tell you what the ingredients are on the bottle. It doesn't say if it's made with corn liquor or what. And it doesn't say what kind of flavoring is in it, but you can tell there's some sugar in it. It's 49.5% alcohol by volume. Ooh, which is uh, pretty similar to uh, 40 proof vodka. Which is made out of potatoes. But this stuff tastes like it could be made out of rice or a grain maybe. I don't know. It's 
pretty fucking gross though. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I thought that, you know, I liked the butterscotch, but... Whew, maybe they've been sitting on those for a while, because those are pretty harsh. Hmm. Tell you what, it's got me feeling a little lightheaded though. That one little shot with, you know, a couple beers. Ooh. Smoke some more weed. So, yeah, I don't know if I told you guys this or not, but I take my trash that, you know, is full, you know, I, I usually use grocery bags for my trash, but I was using the uh, couple of those 44-gallon bags from work. Anyways, took it out of my balcony, you know, because I was lazy one night. And I was going to take it down, but I, I haven't, you know. So it was sitting out there on my back balcony, and <laughs> I was making something to eat the other night, last night, and I heard something making a noise. And at first I thought that it was coming from inside my kitchen. Sounded like I had my first mouse. And, uh, so I kicked the cabinet and I heard it again. It sounded like it was coming from the door. And I'm like, is there a mouse in my fucking door? You know? So I kicked the door. And it kind of made another noise again. So I kicked the door again. And, uh, I was drinking, you know, and a couple hours later, I thought, oh, let's go out back and look at, for some reason, let's just open up the back door and see what's, what it looks like out there. And sure enough, when I opened the back, those trash bags were ripped open, like there was a raccoon or something that was going through those trash bags. Luckily enough, I scared them off before... He started getting into it too much. Yeah. Gotta watch out for trash pandas. <clears throat> those butterscotch, those 99 butterscotch are so strong that I don't even think I want that other one tonight. That shit's pretty uh, rank. I'm not gonna lie. I thought that fireballs were disgusting, because I don't like cinnamon, but man, it's just terrible. <laughs> it's not even enjoyable. Like when I sit here and drink a beer, it's enjoyable. So I've been watching a lot of... Uh, Saturday Night Live and Chris Farley. Um, 
the best of what Chris Farley has done. And I never really watched Chris Farley like that. I mean, I've heard of him. I haven't really watched a lot of his skits, though. And I started watching him this week. And he was a fucking pure genius. Chris Farley was like the best of the best comedians. And, and a lot of times, you can just tell, if you watch his skits, you can just tell he was amped up on cocaine. Especially the Mick Foley skit, uh, where he's got the button-up shirt with the khakis, and he's talking about living in a van down by the river, and he's always amped up, yelling, and you can really tell that he's on cocaine then. For probably the majority of his Saturday Night Live career, he was on cocaine. And if you watch his skits, you can tell. But, I mean, it just made him that much greater, in my opinion. You probably wouldn't have wanted to know the real Chris Farley without him being high, you know. When he was sober, he probably wasn't fun to be around. That's generally how it goes. I know I'm not fun to be around. If I don't have my weed. Or cigarettes or beer. I'm not fun to be around. I can go without cigarettes. But I cannot go without my weed. Period. I'll be a complete asshole. To everybody. I already hate life enough. You know. Life is already boring. And plain and bland. And when you don't smoke weed. Everything is just more black and white. It's so much more boring. Life doesn't really have a purpose. When I don't smoke weed. But when I do. It opens my mind up. And my horizons are just never-ending. I think good thoughts. I think positive thoughts. I think vibrant, you know, good thoughts when I'm high. And when I'm not, when I don't smoke weed, I'm like, blah. Life is just so boring and bland. What's the fucking point? You know? Life is like 20 times more boring without smoking weed, I'm telling you. But when you do smoke weed, it's like, <sighs> I, can, I can actually get some relief on the fucked up society that's around me, and I can open my mind up. I can relax and focus at the same time. And that's why I like smoking weed, you know. In my opinion, there's no negative effects to smoking weed. You get those one people that say, Oh, there's four times more tar and weed than cigarettes. Whatever. Fuck you. (laughs) 
it's not tar, it's called resin, first of all. And um, somebody who doesn't have emphysema, I'm pretty sure that I don't have emphysema, but somebody who doesn't have emphysema can stop smoking and heal their lungs within a year. Even any doctor will tell you that. Because your lungs will reheal themselves just like if you scraped your knee. It's whenever your lungs are dead when you have emphysema when it doesn't reheal or repair. But they say a smoker that can quit after a whole year, their lungs will be the same way that they were before they started smoking. And I believe that. I mean, your body repairs itself without you even knowing it when you go to sleep. So, same thing with alcohol. You know, if you drink and drink and drink every fucking day for months on end, and then you just stop, it's eventually you're gonna, your body's going to start recovering, you know, repairing itself. I like to think that I've been drinking a little too much lately, but I'm planning on slowing down on that, so at least I've got a plan. Cigarettes, I'm going to have to just fucking cut them out of my life. I know I can do it. I've done it before. It's really hard when you work around them every day at work. And when you got people that are going outside to have cigarette breaks, that's usually the best time to hear all the gossip, you know? And, um, you know, I go over to my mother's house, she's smoking a cigarette, and I'm drinking a beer at the same time, and that just makes me want it even more. So I'll end up getting one off of her, and then the chain reaction begins all over again so I'm gonna have to just stay away from people that smoke you know I don't even want to smell a waft of it you know because if I smell it I'm gonna crave it and that's the way it's been in the past I've been three days four days without a cigarette and then I go over to my mother's house and I smell it and I'm like God, I just want one cigarette, you know? And I gotta fucking stop. I gotta fucking quit. I've been smoking cigarettes since I was 14 years old. Well, on and off, and then whenever I turned 18, I've been smoking ever since. So... Let's just say 18. But, you know, even a 14-year-old smoking cigarettes, it's not good for your lungs when you're growing and you're trying to develop, you know. I was only 14. But I was going through so much shit in my life at the time. So much stress. I didn't do it because the cool kids were doing it. The 
first time that I hit a cigarette, I can remember sitting there and I had so much shit going on in my life, I'd take a drag off of it. And yeah, the first time, you know, I didn't know how to really inhale, so I coughed. But man, all my fucking pain went away. Oh, I could just relax, you know. And then my dick started getting hard, and I realized it's a stimulant as well. Smoking a cigarette is a stimulant. And especially younger boys, they're going through puberty and shit like that. You smoke a cigarette, your dick's going to get hard like a rock. I don't know what it is with smoking cigarettes and dicks, but it makes them hard. Something to do with the brain. Some, some kind of chemical reaction in the brain, I guess. It's a stimulant, so... There was a lot of times whenever I'd have sex and I'd enjoyed smoking cigarettes while getting fucked. You know, I just, I don't know. Or getting head, you know, just laying there on the bed smoking a cigarette and getting a blowjob. Fucking did it all the time. It's fucking great. It was even better whenever I was uh, smoking blunts and smoking weed and shit. Because not only do you relax and everything when you smoke weed, but you feel everything. Your body just... When I, I can remember whenever I got my tattoo done on my back. I was high as fuck. And I felt every fucking needle that went in. It felt like a, a, a bajillion fucking uh, blisters being popped. Yeah. Anywho. I haven't had a tattoo in a long time. And I'm getting to the point where I don't even know if my body could uh, handle getting a tattoo anymore. My skin has been really um, irritated by the smallest shit. I've been getting acne and shit here and there that, that pops up. And yeah, I don't know. I've, I've wanted to get quite a few different tattoos. I got the Wreck-It Ralph tattoo that I want to get. Right on my pubic bone, right on my hip bone. That's going to kind of hurt, but, and then I've got some touch-up work that I need to get done on the ones that I do have, my rabbit on my leg, the uh, phoenix tattoo on my ribs, and I eventually want to get my back tattoo covered up with a big-ass tattoo. I want to get that professionally done. I don't want to have to worry about it getting infected. Um, it's going to be really hard to clean when you got a tattoo that goes all the way halfway down your back. 
there's certain parts of my back right now that I can't wash because I can't get to it. So, I don't know. I don't know if I want to get one done on my whole back. I might just tell them to uh, make it on my shoulders, make a bigger one. have to kind of see but then there's other tattoos that I've been wanting to get I want to get Sene Metu on my elbows which in Latin that means without fear anybody who's gotten a Jameson bottle anybody that drinks Jameson whiskey Sene Metu is on the front of the bottle always wanted to get that on my uh, forearms, on my, uh, yeah, I guess you'd call it your forearms, on the outsides. I've always wanted to get hand tattoos as well, like on my knuckles, but I've always been told not to because if you ever want to get a job, um, and it's not really, uh, it's not really a good thing to see somebody with fuck life across their knuckles, you know. <laughs> or fuck hoes, you know. It's not, it's not very good to see, but I always wanted to get knuckle tattoos. Maybe I can get like a pattern or something. Some kind of tribal pattern or something. I don't know. Something that would go up to my wrist. Because I got a hand tattoo that I want to cover up as well. So. Something I can get that goes over that. That goes up both hands. And then I'm going to get like a sleeve done. On my uh, right arm I want to get a sleeve. I'm still going to leave my left arm blank in case I want to add some more shit later down the road. Um, I'd like to get like some kind of place on my body where I can write down everywhere that I've been. Like a, like a list of all the, all the, uh, important places that I've been in life get them tattooed on me like when I take all these trips in the van and I don't know I, I think that'd take up too much space <laughs> I am gonna get a van life tattoo though somewhere I think it's crazy that when you die they can still do scans of your body and they found tattoos on old Egyptian mummies that were million or thousands of years old 
they found tattoos. One was a uh, one of a bull, um, and then one with a ship. I do believe, but you could still see the tattoos on these mummies because it was still embedded in all those layers of skin. I think it would be really awesome to go to like Cambodia or in the Amazon rainforest and get an authentic tattoo done with a needle point. But man, that shit is gnarly and it takes hours and it's really painful and it's really risky. You can really get an infection in a dirty atmosphere. People touching you with dirty hands that they've never washed, you know. Yeah. The same needle that they've used on other people to give tattoos to. Yeah. It could be pretty gnarly. But I've always, I've seen all the beautiful artwork that people have got across seas in those small tribes. And it's just fucking beautiful. It's just gorgeous. Can't get that really at a tattoo shop. So. That's something that's going to be on your body forever. And you're going to remember it. That shit is. Man. When Angelina Jolie got hers done. I think I seen her crying. When she was getting her tattoo done. And she has a really high pain tolerance. She was like biting a rag. And crying. It's not for the faint of heart. When you get a homemade tattoo like that. And they're taking a hammer. And smacking an ice pick into your skin. It's really gnarly. You should, you should get on YouTube and research. Cambodian tattooing because it's really fucking gruesome it's really but it's so beautiful at the same time it's crazy I wish I can get it done but I'm never gonna be able to do that and I probably never would so something I can look at and I can really say that is fucking gorgeous I can really admire that you know I do want to get some more tattoos done later down the road, but I've got a lot of them already uh, thought of, so, and I don't want to get to tattooing on myself when I get all old and wrinkly, and so, and I don't want to get tattoos and then start working out and they get all stretched out, so. I'm gonna have to wait until I got the money and the time and once I'm a little bit bigger that way I don't stretch out so man I know I'm not gonna want to wake up early tomorrow but I know it needs to be done. I know I need to get this bike tire fixed and go get a haircut. And I gotta cut my mother's grass because it's 
needs to be done and I want to do it before it rains. So I've got a lot of shit to do tomorrow. It's not going to be fun. I haven't been up that early in well, probably since like last winter. <laughs> I usually sleep all day until like 2 or 3 in the afternoon and then get up. Because that's what I usually do whenever I on a work day. So even on my days off, I like to sleep in, usually. But I know that, like I said, that bike shop's only open until 4. And if there's a chance that I want it to get fixed, then, yeah, I better get it in there. And I'm going to tell them right off the bat, I don't want no fucking patch kit on there or nothing. Don't try and patch it. Because if you do, I'm going to know. I want a brand new fucking inner tube on the back and the front. If you don't think you can do it, I'll take it somewhere where I know I can get it done. R&M will get it done. I'm really half tempted to just take it to R&M because my hair appointment, my barber is over that way anyways but that's a long walk that's a long walk I'd have to like yeah I, I almost couldn't walk that that's almost impossible from my job all the way to Springfield High School is a long ass fucking distance so yeah, that's, that's not going to be possible. Because you got to think, the whole time you're walking that tire with a flat, it's on the rim. So it's hitting every little bump along the way and tearing up the tire itself, you know. If you can save the outside tire and just get the inner tube, then that's great. But... I'm really wanting to only spend like 30 or 40 bucks on getting a new inner tube. So. Oh. oh lordy. I got some fried chicken in there that I got to eat as well. I got four pieces of fried chicken in there that I got to eat. So. I don't really want to cook them tonight though. I'll probably eat that tomorrow. And take that over to my mom's and eat it. Yeah. Lordy. So this is the last beer for tonight. For tonight, anyways. <laughs> And uh, then I'm going to end up smoking some weed, watching some videos, and 
eating a little bit of food and calling it a night. Sounds about right. Man. Always a pain in the ass when your chillum doesn't clear. Uh. Yeah. Didn't want to come out of there. <laughs> This last little bit of dispensary weed that I've got is like gold. They got some new stuff there, but they haven't been selling it anything bigger than an eighth. I got this slurricane popcorn for a whole quarter. It's a lot cheaper to buy it by the quarter because you can get it for like 70 bucks plus tax instead of paying the 55 for an 8 and this slurricane popcorn was pretty good I still got a little bit of homegrown weed from my guy uh, but it's really seedy and I don't really want to have to smoke it. Mmm. <sighs> Tastes really good though. Really good. I wonder if my uh, friend, the one that wants to take me to the casino, the older guy, I wonder if he smokes weed. I think his name's Goldman. I think that's what he wanted me to call him, Goldman. But I think that's his last name. Anywho. I'm uh, down to hang out with new people, no matter what age group they are, no matter what race they are. Um, as long as we can relate, I don't care. I'm just down to have a good time, to have some drinks, play some pool, or, you know, play some slots, and uh, talk about shit, you know? That's what I'm down for. I don't discriminate when it comes to age groups or, you know, it, it kind of seems like he sees me as like a son, but I'm white and he's black and 
I haven't told them this yet about how I have black family, you know, that's why I like soul food so much. But he just seems like he he already knows. He already kind of feels that he feels like I'm a black son to him, but I'm really white. You know, he doesn't see color. He doesn't see He knows I like soul food. And he knows I'm a good person, so that's all that really matters to him. And that's why I like, you know, my job so much. It's because you'll meet people along the way that you wouldn't even expect to be friends with or to connect with. You know, did I think that I'd be friends with a 65-year-old black man that, you know wants to take me out to the casino and wants to bring me soul food and a lot of people will say that's gay that's gay well it's not it's it's just a really good friend that brings me food and wants to have a good time you know that's the way that I see it And, you know, if it gets down to that, or he's, like, talking gay and whatnot, and you're not gay, then you tell him, I'm not gay. So, it kind of fixes all that right there. But there's no reason not to be friends with a gay person just because you think that they want to fuck you. Or, you know, that's just crazy. It's just crazy. People that are straight can be friends with gay people all the time. I see it all the fucking time. And I don't even know if he's gay. I mean, he seems like he's kind of gay or whatever, but... I don't know. Even if that is the case, he's just a good guy. He's really down to earth. He's really generous. He's really thoughtful. And he's not an asshole, you know. I can just tell by looking at people that come through my line at work if they're an asshole or not. And he's never lashed out at me or got loud with me or treated me like shit. He's always respected me and tells me stories about shit when he comes in. And he's just a good guy, so... Same thing, you know, when I hang out with Kyle. Kyle wants to go and play some pool, buy me some drinks, you know. We ride over there together on our bikes. People say, oh, that's gay. No. It's uh, male bonding, you know. So, that's what friends do. They go out and do shit together. So, I really wish that more of my friends would just call me up and say, Hey, you want to go to the boat sometime? Or, you want to go do this sometime? Go watch this movie that's coming out. I'll come pick you up. Or, you know, go see the Festival of Lights, you know, in Peoria. You know... I wish more people would do that. So, 
and I hope that whenever I get to be 60 years old or whatever, if I find a cool 30-year-old kid that knows how to party and knows how to have a good time, down to earth, and I hope that he can show me how to have a good time still, if I forget how to. <laughs> Maybe that's the thing. Hanging out with younger people kind of keeps you young, you know. I feel like it's more like he wants me to be his son. He wants me to be his only white son that he never had, basically. And I never, my dad never did shit like that with me. I mean, he did it with me once. He took me down to the boat once. Just to say that he did, you know, that was it. We never went to the boat any other time together. You know, but the fact that somebody that's not my dad wants to go out and have a good time with me kind of reminds me of something that my dad should have done, you know. He's got all the knowledge and wisdom. He's older. There might be some shit that he can teach me about gambling, you know. And it's just a good time. So why not do it? I've learned that I'll try anything once, except for sucking dick or taking it in the ass. I'm, I'm not going to do that, but try anything once. You never know what's going to come out of it. You can be the best of friends, and you don't even know it. And this guy has got some money, and he's got a lot of retirement and a lot of savings. And I mean, he just blew twenty grand for staying a whole month in Vegas. And is still living a good life. So his sons, he does have sons, but one's living in China, I do believe. And the other one's doing something else. But he's never had a white son before. And since his sons are so busy doing everything else, he doesn't get time to hang out with a son figure, you know. So that's why I believe... And I'm sure he has a lot of questions about if I'm racist or how I grew up, if I like black people or not. I'm sure he already knows that, but that's going to be, it's going to get brought up, you know. White people and black people, it tends to get white and black. I mean, it tends to get, you know, are you on our side or are you on their side? And I'm on nobody's side. Nobody's better than anybody else. In my opinion, I don't see color. I don't care if you're black. You know, I've got black family and black friends. And, the, and they'll vouch for me and say that I'm a good guy. I'm not a racist. I have a lot of black friends that... They're my, they're my brothers, you know, I mean, if they came to me and asked for help, and I can help them, then yeah, I'm, I'm going to help them, you know, I mean, whether you're white, black, Chinese, Puerto Rican, if you're my friend, you're my brother, then 
I'm going to take care of you. And um, that's the way I've always been raised. I've never been raised in a racist household. Um, I had a lot of racist friends, you know, but I didn't really follow that dialogue, you know. I'd even tell them, you know, sometimes, hey, you know, what, what the fuck, you know, so... I don't think that there's one person is better than the other because of their skin color. Now I do think that people that are black that act ghetto, you're not acting your skin color, you're acting a culture. You know, there's a difference. And I hate people that act ghetto, that don't respect people. That's not representing what black people want to represent. You're not acting like a normal American that deserves to have rights. You're acting like a fucking animal that needs to be locked up. So it's painting an ugly picture for the black community by these people acting ghetto and racist. And this guy, this older black gentleman, doesn't... He doesn't even know what acting ghetto means, I don't think. He's the most polite gentleman I've ever met. Always comes in and asks me how I've been. And uh, one, of the, one of the best black gentlemen that I've ever met in my life, honestly. I feel like I can learn something from him, so... I haven't really had a lot of time to talk to him when he does come up there to get his lottery. It's kind of like, you know, short. But I always do think about what I would ask him or talk to him about, you know. And I want to know how he grew up. I want to know what he's seen, what he's done. I'm sure he was alive during the race riots in the 70s. You know? There's a lot of things that white people can learn from black people and vice versa. There's a lot of things that black people can learn from white people as well. Like, not all white people are racist. Some white people out there care about you and have compassion, you know, even if you think that they don't, you know, um, yeah, I can, I can be on here for hours and hours talking about it, I might, I might make another, one more podcast, but it's not going to be very long, so tune in for the next one.